Y'all ready to get started? Okay. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit today, which, uh, you know, people do whole years and semesters on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So probably not going to be able to drill down all the specific detail like we could, but we are going to just talk about it in general and also in light of what we've been talking about being a disciple and how that all fits in together. You know I have to start out with a story. So here's your story for the day. Um, A few years ago, my mom and dad moved into a ranch condo, which was great. They downsized to this area. Several of us were there. They have two full bathrooms. And so we had spent the night, and I said to my mom, Mom, I was worried about hot water and water pressure. So I said, Mom, uh, do you know yet whether or not two people can shower at the same time? And she's cooking in the kitchen, and she goes, Oh, well, I, it might get, I, I guess it might get a little crowded, but if you want to do that, it's probably okay. <laughs> Clearly, she mistook what I was saying, right? And so, of course, we. didn't tell that when she was here. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> last week would have been the I should have told her. Let me tell you something. My sweet mama, and y'all all met her last week, she's so good at laughing at herself, but she often. Um, kind of misunderstands what you meant. So all that to say, in the light of the Holy Spirit, though, there's some interesting things in these passages. I've written some up here. I'm going to just go ahead and assign to some of you. We're going to read through these passages, and then as we read through them, what I'd like you to do is uh, just listen. If you're not a reader to the others, just listen and see what themes or thoughts come to the surface, or what you hear as we read them. So who will, we've got five I want to do. Who, who will take this first one? All right, Carrie. And then 27 through 31 in the same, who will take that one? Dennis, will you take that one? Okay. Uh, Romans 12, 3 through 8, who can do that? Okay, William, and then Lincoln, you do Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Uh, and then this last one, 1 Peter 4. Okay, Wayne, great. All right, so what I'd like to do is just read them one after the other. Um, And everybody just listen. And here is the question. The question is, just listen for what are some um, things that catch your ear about these gifts of the Spirit and how the Spirit works through our giftedness. Okay, so let's start with 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discernment of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, 
to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. All right, 27 through 31. Okay. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. All right, Romans 12. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. <clears throat> Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. All right, Ephesians 4. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fulfillment of Christ. Okay, First Peter 4. God has given each of you a gift his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? And speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. And everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so for me, when I was studying for this lesson all of those passages one after I've, I've always kind of sequestered them into separate studies but hearing them all across one after the other after the other what themes or what principles jumped out at you that you heard you got something <laughs> you, you got, got something that's good <laughs> that's right <laughs> so you have a gift right that's right use it okay Good. Okay. What else? It's a part of a bigger picture. Okay. Yeah, it's not just, just for you, for your own benefit. What else? And it's meant to glorify God when it's Good. Christ's body is, is throughout. Yes, it talked about that a lot, didn't it? 
What else? It's personal. Personal, yes. We're all different. That word different came up a lot, didn't it? Okay. Anything else? It was like these themes, and he kept saying the same thing over and over. I want to caveat that because I don't think it's a different, like, we're different. I think it's a different in that we're unique. Mm -hmm. and, and it's a reflection of the majesty, the glory of God, okay. of His holiness. That He can make each of us special and yet unique in our own way. Because my gift of tongues might be different from somebody else's gift of tongues. Might be different from somebody else's gift of giving. That's a great thought. So you're saying uh, it, it's reflecting the... Um, nature sounds too simplistic, but what, is, what are you saying it's reflecting about God? It, it just shows... God didn't make 20 kinds of fish with 20 kinds of colors. He made thousands of kinds of fish with thousands of kinds of colors. And we discover more every day. So he made billions of us, each unique, each special, in our own way. Okay. And it's a direct reflection of, of, of seeing him high and lifted up and seeing his robe filled with him. Just his that is a great, great God thought. And it has no limit. I mean, it's, it, it's limitless. limitless. Yes. Great thought. Great Go thought. Back. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yes, Dennis. Uh, I was thinking it's also uh, about reflecting on your own gifts. You do this. I think sometimes we try to be what we think others are or what uh -huh. they want us to be or what we should be. Yes. And maybe. He says, don't, be, don't, don't get caught up in all that. Uh-huh. Good. Very good. Mike? Uh, it's just what William said. It's just it's that we were fearfully and wonderfully made, but he made each of us in our mother's womb, <clears throat> which goes to that uniqueness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it just, it's like snowflakes, right? Um, and certainly in our uniqueness, there's just something so precious about that when we when we consider that in the context of this giftedness. And boy, we've got a lot of human nature that gets in the way with this. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. First of all, here's some general observations just through looking over these passages that I'd like to uh, bring up. First of all, who has access to these gifts? Who's ever indwelled with the Spirit? That's who the access is. There is no limit I'm just going to go out on a limb here. He doesn't say, now, this particular race or socioeconomic group or gender has this particular set of gifts, but these are not available to this crowd over here. Is there any distinction as to who can have them? So, let me just say, so does that mean, I'll probably turn off the recording, does that mean that a woman cannot have leadership giftedness or that a man not have the gift of service? But often our cultural limitations or beliefs or systems will limit those things, whereas I don't hear any limits here in those things. Uh, the second thing is to, to discover and find your giftedness is not bragging or self 
lifting yourself up. That's sometimes where our hesitation comes in. We're going to talk a little bit about why do we bury our gifts. But it is a depth and a growth toward maturity to understand your giftedness. It's a paradox. Um, Another thought. um, For several years, I have always felt a gift to exhortation which is a combination between <clears throat> teaching and mercy. So it's, it's giving information as you walk alongside someone. For years ago, when my children were small, I taught in a preschool class. It's the equivalent to me of a root canal <laughs> because I was miserable. And y'all, it makes me sound like a child hater, Becca. I am not a child hater. I love children. I love all children. I love everybody, right? But it was not the right place for me to use that giftedness. So what I'm saying is there is energy and thought and listening to the Spirit to find your place. So it's not a lack of kind of, you know, oh, I'm great at this or that. It's really trying to find where you fit. Um, Here's a simple question. When you function within the body of Christ, what you're doing, what is life-giving and what is life-taking? That's a simple question. That's a way to ask yourself about your giftedness in the spirit. Is this place I find myself in the body, is it life-giving? Am I thinking about other ways to do it from a lot of different directions? Or am I thinking, how much longer am I going to have to do this? That's not where you're working within your gifts. You know, it's interesting that 1 Corinthians passage started out with, now brothers, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant. So clearly this is a topic that can be misunderstood or not discovered to the depth. And Paul is saying, this is really important. I want you to understand this. That's why I'm going to talk about this. Um, And here's one other just aside. We did not go to the verses around the verses that we just read. 1 Corinthians 12, what is the very next chapter, 13, and the theme is love. When you get to Romans 12, all of these verses have around them Paul's admonition and Peter's admonition about love. That's interesting, isn't it? That when you talk about giftedness and our place in the body, that love has to be thrown in there somewhere. So perhaps that's a reflection on our humanness when we talk about this and needing to be reminded of what's greater than all of this is love. Love for each other, love for the church, love for people outside of the church, and that being what motivates us. So, one thing I want to make a distinction about. There is a difference between the way we use the word gift in our culture. So if I say uh, someone is a gifted athlete or someone is a gifted speaker, I am referring in our culture to a talent, right? Something about how they're wired, how, a, a physical trait, or something that they have that they were born with. This can apply to a person indwelled with the Spirit or not, right? Because we all know who's, someone can play the piano, talent. 
but a gift of the Spirit, while it can work alongside our talents, or while our talents can certainly enhance them, is a gift <clears throat> given specifically to us. Here's a great description. Spiritual gifts are possessed by Christians with the purpose of building, building and strengthening fellow Christians and extending the influence of the church to an unbelieving world. That's the intent of a spiritual gift. Spiritual gifts are only for those indwelled by the Spirit. Um, so, all those passages and what I just read is the benefit of my spiritual gift for me. There is nowhere that that's even hinted to, right? But an inherent talent, pretty much, yeah, it benefits me, right? I have a good career, I make a lot of money, uh, whatever I'm able to be successful in. It's a whole upside-down economy when we look at our spiritual gifts and how we're to use them. You know, one interesting yeah, thing, and, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, I would, I would say that the fulfillment is a gift to us. The fulfillment of, 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 use, of recognizing the gift you have and using it for uh -huh. the good of others is a strong benefit. It is a wonderful, wonderful benefit, but it came to us backwards. Yeah. It, yes. No, I totally agree. Um, and we're headed that way. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. No, we're headed that way. One thing William kind of alluded to just a touch, but that passage in 1 Corinthians where he says, there's all kinds of, let me, let me look at how it's phrased, different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Uh, one interesting thought about that is, is Perhaps the point being made that even the Trinity demonstrates the diversity among itself. How the Trinity even works together and using that to remind us how much more so the body of Christ is pulled together by all of us working together. Um, another thing I love about that passage in 1 Corinthians is it says, who is in charge of distributing the gifts? The Spirit, right? Uh, so it's not us, so it's not the elders, it's not the Pope, it's not some external person or humanity that's in charge. No, it's completely done by the Spirit, and it says He does it as He chooses, right? Um, one of the words in there for gifts, I love this thought, and anytime somebody says the Greek word means, well, you know, I totally read that somewhere. I do not know Greek, okay? But this person said that that Greek word means grace gift. So here's what's so sweet about it to me. When we accept Christ and we are indwelled by the Spirit, we first think about salvation, right? which is wonderful. It's wonderful. We live with God forever. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. But the second thing is we are given a gift from the Spirit that is the great equalizer. So in our world and in our culture, whether we like it or not, we prioritize people, don't we? So uh, I'm just a doctor might be considered more important than a clerk who checks you out at Walmart. Than a nurse. Than a nurse, yes. 
a doctor more than a nurse, more than the clerk at the desk, more than the person who cleans the bathrooms at the hospital. We may have this kind of unknown hierarchy. You come into the body of Christ, you receive a gift that is a complete equalizer wherever you came from. Is that not just the most wonderful thing? I think that's why Paul is so careful about this, you know, don't be looking for just the big gifts that get all the attention. He spends a lot of time making the point we're all part of this whole big thing and every single person has an equal gift from the Spirit. That's to me, what makes the church just so wonderfully precious. Um, so, back to your point, Carrie, and let's talk about this just a minute. We know our value from the Spirit. By that, we're motivated to serve. Does everybody follow me? And from that comes life, through that serving. But sometimes we get that backwards because sometimes we serve so that we can feel valued versus, man, I feel valued. I've been given this gift, therefore I serve. Did y'all see a paradox there? What happens when you get that out of whack? Pride. Oh, goodness, pride. Focus. It can really get you off track, right? Focus is on you, yeah. So what am I waiting on to make me feel good about how I'm serving? I'm waiting on everybody's reaction to that. What happens when y'all let me down? See what you made out of. Yeah, I mean, you, you see where that, uh, where is that coming from, right? Where is the, where's the motivation? It, it's a, it's a, in its simplicity, it's an extremely profound paradox. And I think that's what Paul's trying to say in these passages is this gift is given to you in its diversity in its magnitude, so that you can be part of something bigger and none of it is more important than the other. Wouldn't it be great if our whole churches could completely grasp this concept? Imagine what the body of Christ could do. How it could affect, how the kingdom could be known to everyone outside of it. I mean, it would just be so extremely profound. Your call is where the compassion of Christ in you intersects with a need in the world, and we find out why God made us. That's the motivation. When you think, when you have a thought, and let's talk about that, do you ever have moments where you think you're in the middle of something that you do for the body of Christ, and a thought goes through your mind that says, I was made for this? The question that Mordecai asked of Esther keeps just who knows but what this is what you were yeah this is it this 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 is it I, I was I made mean, for I, this Esther certainly could have certainly could have been how that went I mean do you ever find yourself in a place of whatever it is you're doing for the body where it feels like a natural rhythm of the spirit just kind of flowing out because that's where you know this is where the gift that I've been given has been able to manifest itself. Using our gifts 
is like drinking from the well of the refreshing waters of God's Spirit. It's fluid. It's not a, ooh, I figured out my gift on January 3rd, 2004, and I've been doing it ever since. It is this rotating, uh, evolving, uh, beautiful, changing, life-giving thing. One of the things I want to encourage us to reflect on we are driven by the Spirit and given a gift to do something, but because of our brokenness, it, there's a lot of static in there that keeps us from seeing that. So don't let the static distract you if this is something real that's happening in your life. And our motive for doing anything in this world is never 100% pure. Sure. So we're going to have some brokenness in there that's going to kind of bring a fog into the clarity of it sometimes. So if we, but we just need to trust that God is leading us and directing us and that ever how this gift is being used, whether it has 100% pure motive or not, God is using it to His glory. And it's, I, I love what someone said about the, the apostles. They were a bunch of knuckleheads, but God chose to use them anyway. And that's how I feel about my use of the gifts. You know, I'm, I'm a knucklehead. I, I don't always get it. I don't always have the right motive. But God can use. Um, it's like you and I say in consulting, when you go in as a consultant, people don't know what you don't know. They think you know everything. <laughs> and so... I always when, say it's not what I know, it's what I appear to know. Yes. That's what makes me a good consultant. And so when you go in to serve, you just go in to serve and don't worry about... Because the people don't know what your motive is. That's right. You're 100%. It's not, it may not be 100% pure. But the reality is... They have been blessed by someone who loves God. And they don't, we can't let that fog take away the joy that God has to offer us in the process. That is a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. And so I don't consider my time teaching children to have been a total waste. I gave it all I had. And I was kind to those little children. I want y'all to know that. But I was, it was not a waste by any means. <laughs> it was not at all. It just well, did not. It, so it, that's what, what you're saying is it, it's a process. It's well, not a 100%. Just because something's not our giftedness doesn't mean we don't have to pitch in and sure. help where there's help needed. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're a part of a smaller church, Sometimes we do a lot of things that we're not passionate about, sure. but because it's needed in the body. Well, if my mama was here, she'd say, that's all really great, but who's going to keep the nursery? Yeah. <laughs> um, so to your point, we all pitch in and do our part. I'm talking about that daily motivation that drives you because you know what not only does it benefit the body on a Sunday morning when we all come together but it's our functioning as the body in the whole world around us right so it's it's finding that rhythm yes I, I think one of the things that's interesting to me is we the scripture says someone who desires the heart 
of the office of shepherd. In other words, they are driven to want to care for people. But if anybody expresses an interest to be a shepherd, we think they're power hungry. There's too many badge winners out there. Uh-huh. That's right. And, and, but that's the way we treat giftedness as well. And we have this false sense of humility. And someone who has confidence in their gift from God looks different than someone with false humility. Yes. And that's, what that, that's why I made that point at the very beginning because it feels a little self-seeking to say, what am I really good at? Well, let's see. Versus, I want to be so consumed by the Spirit with the measure of the gift that He has put in me. I want to know what that is. But you're right. And once again, that's why those love passages are around there is because we need to bathe all of this in our love for each other, ourselves, the church, as we have this conversation. Because, yeah, there are all kinds of... uh, Awkward nooks and crannies. Let's talk a second about burying our gifts. Why are some reasons why our gifts perhaps have been buried? First is the failure failure or taking a risk. There's an interesting passage where Paul says to Timothy, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Because Timothy's gift apparently had gone a little dormant. Right? He said, you need to fan that flame. You need to give it a little oxygen. And then the verse right after that is, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So we can, Timothy did it, and he's in the hall of fame. Timothy was not flaming, uh, fanning the flame of the gift in him. And Paul was saying, don't let that die out. You need to put some energy in it. So sometimes there's fear that kind of locks us up. Um, The second thing is sometimes the fear of confronting pain. You're like, well, what's that got to do with this? Well, you know what? When we look deep inside at ourselves, like Mike already described the word static, um, distortion, sometimes we are saying to ourselves, well, you never have been good at anything. Or, well, everything you try to do, you know you're going to flop and embarrass yourself. Or, what makes you think that you can do fill in the blank? Do you know where those messages came from? Not the Spirit. They didn't come from God. They came from somewhere else. So that kind of wound or pain or track in our head can often keep us from really truly feeling the full manifestation of the Spirit in our life. But how do we sort that out, right? But we often don't even realize they're there. But if you find yourself kind of getting hung up and not going into a deeper giftedness, perhaps that is is it. And we would love for you to come have Freedom Prayer, and we'll help you find that, right? have to throw in a commercial. Uh, the third thing we reason we bury it is a fear of commitment. Guess what? When I know it and I feel it, I'm going to have to do something about it. It's a little easier to kind of pick and choose along the way the things I want to do within the body versus kind of diving full in and allowing it to be flame a fanned, if that's such a word, to really be bigger 
in our life and allow that to happen. Um, here's an interesting quote. I'd rather be committed to God in the abstract than be committed to him at the point of my gift. What do you think that means? I'd rather be committed to God in the abstract than be committed to Him at the point of my gift. What do you think that means? Kind of, yeah. It's a whole lot easier in this kind of big picture thing. Charlie? Well, I think part of where we get into trouble and for people that don't know, with my job of being a high school sports writer freelance, I saw I had the problem of dealing with gifts at one point when I first started and still even a little bit to this day. Um, I think a lot of what we have problems with on the whole gifts and sometimes sometimes we can't silence the noise of doubt we give ourselves. Yes. Um, probably the best example of my job. So I have to interview players and coaches. That's kind of just the standard of what we do. Um, but I notice with people I'm competing with, I look at it and I'm like, oh, it's so much easier for them to do that. Just jump on in and be so extroverted like I am. So not. <laughs> you know, and yep. you, you know, just go on and go for it. But if I was to listen to that noise, I'd lose the effect of my strength. That's right. Mm -hmm. I'm still able to go to those coaches and while they're just saying coach or if they're saying, like, just the last name of the player instead, I'm coming over there and saying, like in the case of I covered some of football, I'm able to say to their coach and have the confidence to say Coach Coleman, what the rest of them are saying. Coach, coach, coach. Mm -hmm. You see, the difference is if you can't recognize and realize at the point if you're spending a lot of time to maybe even do something that those coaches and players may not in themselves feel comfortable doing with you and they might go into it skeptical of you just because not everybody assumes you're going to give them a good benefit just because of what they do or what you do then you can imagine the trust and barrier of not just trust, but also just barrier of they don't know you, probably. That is but, such a great point. Such a great point. Sorry to mean to interrupt you. Were you done? Yeah, no. So uh, the word I heard you say was doubt. Like you, yeah. you doubted yourself, but then when you kind of plowed through that, you realized that you actually had something to offer that the others we're not able to offer. Yeah. I mean, that's a great analogy of exactly what I'm talking about. I think doubt is that static, or sometimes, or fear. Um, what are you about to say? I see a... Well, <laughs> <laughs> almost 44 years. Yeah. Can't hide it anymore. Uh, I think sometimes, I speak from my own experience, when I see someone who has a similar giftedness to me, I have a tendency to compare myself to them. Yes. And I think that's one of the greatest human struggles is comparison yes. to others. And it really has nothing to do with the other. It has to do with what God wants to do through me, how 
how, how whether it's perceived as extremely significant or not. Yes. Um, and so to me, that's, we don't, we need to get out of the comparison game and just listen to the Spirit and let the Spirit lead us and guide us and direct us. And to, wherever that may be, some people work on a larger scale in the same giftedness that I have, but for whatever reason, they've been given that opportunity and I haven't. But that doesn't make me less. It just means it's a different place yes. to serve. And I love that word unique. It's unique. It's like not thinking that it's just different, but it's, it's unique because you have a set of gifts and experiences and everything that makes your ability to do it uh, not duplicated. And that's a that's a that's a great thought. If you wonder about your oh yes sir, don't you think a, a reason sometimes or really all the time is that we forget the ultimate purpose of these gifts, mm -hmm. which ties back to the Great Commission. The purpose of these gifts is to make disciples. That's right. Period. Mm -hmm. End of conversation. Mm -hmm. That's um, exactly right. So yeah. So you build up the church so that the church can minister to the world. That's the point. It's not self-serving. It's not even just so the church can be awesome. Uh, it's not for us as consumers, right? So that we just have this really swell place to all hang out together. It's so that we bring glory to God. That we are telling everyone about the beauty of the kingdom and drawing them to it. Thank you Whenever for kind of recentering that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we do. To me, that's why we wanted to teach this class. Yeah. Because it's about making disciples. That because Otter Creek does a lot of wonderful things, but this is an area where we're weak. And about sharing our faith and being out there bold and making disciples and that sort of thing. And uh, and so that's why I'm glad you said that because. Mm -hmm. It's easy to get caught up in the minutia of the conversation and miss the whole reason why we're talking about what we're talking. And that's why Carrie wanted us to have this class, is because of his passion right now that God has put on his heart uh, to that we need to be more of a church of making disciples. I agree. I yes, think Lincoln. That I'm mean, thinking about it when you talk about the abstract. I think it's talking about not putting a limit on like in other words don't think outside the box think about what how you can expand this gift don't just say this is a very narrow and, and just see how that okay that's another uh, way think, to look well, at I think it abstract, I, i'm thinking i just think things that are hard to define mm -hmm. and so you're defining it maybe in a new way okay that's a good that's another kind of twist on how you can look at that all right, so I'm going to just give you some ideas about spiritual gift discovery, right? So we talked about you need to figure it out or ask the Spirit to show you. A couple of things. Um, first of all, Eric Livingston does have a tool. There are some things where you can ask yourself some questions. He's on staff here. You can reach him at eric at ottercreek.org. Uh, first, another one other thing is, interestingly, explore critical feelings. You're like, what? 
What that means is, are you ever in situations where you think, <laughs> okay, I do this at the TSA line at the airport all the time, but, but where you're constantly thinking, somebody needs to get in here and fix. <laughs> this could be better. So if you find yourself, though, in body life thinking, hmm, I really would love to, or I think, or if you're, if you're drawn toward that and problem solving a particular thing, perhaps that's an indication of something that's kind of within you. Um, you think, if you think, I could do better than that, not in a critical way, but in a way to get in and try to explore that a little deeper. Another is test the options. It means taking a risk, trying something new. Face the fear that you might fail. Give it a shot. Seek feedback from the body, from people who know you. Ask them, what do you see as my giftedness? Um, if, if you're in a small group, let me just tell you, if, if something that's really life-giving is to, in your small group, for all of you to go and say a word for each person in the group as to where you see their gift or the thing you love about them. You'll be surprised what people see in you that you often don't see in yourself. They may use terms or words and themes that come up over and over, and you think, really? So y'all think I'm kind, or you think I, you know, whatever the word might be, and you'll find that sometimes that input is really very helpful. Um, continually ask the Lord to show and clarify your motivations. Just keep going back to that, you know, that indwelling that we talked about a few weeks ago, the indwelling of the Spirit. He's called the Counselor. He's called the Comforter. He comes along beside us. Ask. You know, there's a big passage in there that says, now who, when their son would ask for an egg, they'd give him a scorpion, right? So, it says, so we ask, and we just say, Lord, show me. Where is this in me? Um, our time's up. Does anybody got something else you want to say before yeah. we? If you do the spiritual gifts inventory, um, just know that spiritual gifts inventories are there to help you narrow down the focus, not to tell you, bang, this is it. Yeah. Okay? Occasionally, that rarely that happens. But generally, it helps you to narrow your focus from 10 or 11 or 12 or whatever down to 3 or 4. And then that's when you start taking your risk of yes. stepping into those. That's a, great, that's a great point. And sometimes it's good to find out, well, I know for sure I am not this, this, this. You probably already know that anyway. Carrie? I had a perhaps amusing moment, perhaps not so amusing, whenever um, one of my dear friends introduced me to someone else and said, this is Kerry. He's one of our shepherds. He has the gift of discouragement. <laughs> oh. oh, well. And she is a dear friend. 